0: Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Canadian Made. I'm Olivia and each week we're going to go behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry. We're going to get into the weeds of how things get made and the people who make them. I am so excited to share my interview with you guys today. We have Christian Brune who is an actor and I feel like he's literally been in everything. He's so talented, but you probably know him best from Orphan Black, Murdoch Mysteries, or Carter. And not only is he an amazing actor, but he was an absolute delight. And so for those of you who are aspiring actors or young actors, This episode, I think, is especially for you because he gives so many tips and tricks for a healthy mindset in acting and and how to really survive a profession that is so unpredictable. But if you're not an actor, this episode is definitely still for you because there is so much to relate to in this episode. And even me, who I'm no longer part of that creative space, I think that... You know, so much of what he said is so transferable. You know, for example, we were talking a lot about auditioning and I think that so many of his tips can be transferred to, you know, big interviews that you might have and if you're struggling with nerves before that and how to get into the right mindset. So in this episode, we really talk about everything. And what I will say is that he gives a masterclass in how to be an actor. Not the technical art form of being an actor, but how to survive living your life as an actor, you know, what to do in the downtime, how to prepare for auditions, all of the nuts and bolts. So I hope that you enjoy this episode as I do. And I know that you're going to find Christian so generous with this information and so delightful. Um, so make sure that you go follow him after the episode so that you can keep up with him because he teases a very exciting next project. So, um, Without further ado, let's get into it. So I have to tell you a funny story, actually,
1: about you. Oh, because
0: um, my my office, I'm I'm a lawyer, and um, we were Canadian Counsel for Ready or Not, and so right at the front of our office, we have this huge poster of um, Ready or Not, and (laughs) you're right at the bottom with your crossbow. Yeah, crossbow.
1: That's right.
0: So I actually see you every day,
1: every day how I keep in touch <laughs> whenever uh whenever I have friends say oh I saw you on tv or something like that my response is always like oh that's how I keep in touch that's how I say hi
0: you can just send them like pictures of yourself in different yeah. movie posters and say this is this is me uh, corresponding with you yeah I want to ask you about um all things acting career and I really want to get into kind of the weeds of how you sustain such a a great career over a couple of decades.
1: Thank you. (laughs) So Um,
0: where did it all begin? How did you get involved?
1: I got into it very late. I was not planning on being an actor and uh, I was actually gonna join the army. I wanted to be an infantry officer in the Canadian army. I had gone to military school in the US for high school, uh, Valley Forge Military Academy. So I was there for four years of high school. Strangely enough, I was down there on a music scholarship. I was a trumpet player and they had an excellent music program where everybody in the regimental band played an instrument and was on uh, was, was on scholarship. So my mom and I had found this interesting school with this interesting music program. And my mother's family is many, many, many generations of military. And uh, she thought it would be some good discipline for me. I thought it would be kind of fun. I thought it'd be like G.I. Joe every day or something. I I didn't know what to expect, but I was excited. I thought it was going to be like adventurous and it would toughen me up and give me some better grades for uh, university. And I really took to that environment in a strange way no one except my mother knew that I could survive that place. I, I would not, if I was my own parent, I would not have sent myself there. Didn't look like it should work. And it did, it gave me a lot of discipline and it gave me uh, a, a window into a world that I was interested in. So this was '97, 1997, when I graduated high school, uh, I went off to Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario with the idea of just getting a degree so I could become an officer in the Canadian army because you need a, a university degree. So I started off as a physics major because I was accepted to sciences and I liked physics when I was in high school. Quickly learned that that was not for me. I left my first lab in tears because I felt so stupid and I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I switched my major to classical studies uh, because I'm a history nerd and I love archaeology. I absolutely love it. Partly because of Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones, but you know, <laughs> those were like very important movies in my in my upbringing. And then one night, I was leaving the uh, cafeteria with a friend of mine from residence, and we walked through. They had a clubs night where all the clubs could have like little booth, and you could you know it's first semester of your your first year, and you're looking at all the clubs that you can join. And uh, there was this one for this crazy comedy show that was done on campus it was like a uh in the in the student pubs it was like this drunken comedy show but it was scripted it had a live band playing music everybody sang there was cheesy choreography it took like pop culture references and slammed them together it had improv uh improv elements and and it even had like the audience passing beers to actors on stage to try and throw them and you'd have to like chug a beer and keep going it was like the wildest show you've you could conceive and there was a little booth for this club called queen's players and it had like a little video going on with vhs tapes that's how old i am and uh and it was uh you know showing some of these these shows and the guy who was talking about it was the director of some of the shows and uh my buddy who i was with was like oh bruden you're kind of funny you should audition for that And I thought, yeah, no, I'd always done like uh, the school plays and stuff like that. I loved doing school plays, but I was terrible. And I knew I was terrible and I always got bad parts. And I was like, there's there's no way I'm not doing this. And then he was just like, okay, fine. I I dare you to audition for this show. And I don't know why that made the difference, but, but that was enough for me to go, okay, fine. I'll take your dare and I'll sign up and I'll audition. Audition for the show got in, found out there was a theater department at Queens that I didn't even know you could study theater in university. Nobody had told me this. No, you know, where was my guidance counselor on this? Um, (laughs) And I thought, I love doing this. I love being on stage. I love making people laugh. I love entertaining people. And I just need a degree in anything. And then I can become an officer in the infantry. And I might as well just do that. I'll do theater because that's at least fun. And I'm just coming from military school. Like I wanna do something fun for the next four years before I sign up for you know the rest of my life. Like I was just thinking this is gonna be way more fun than physics or classical studies. So I switched my major and then it was, the writing was on the wall. It was game over, I was in love with theater. I studied everything at Queens. I studied um, acting, directing, playwriting, dramaturgy, history, design. I mean, it was such a great program that really gave such a wide scope. But I mean, I learned so much. I worked on like 30 productions in that time, in three and a half years when I switched my major. I I was helping friends out, you know, stage managing or building sets or doing sound, uh, acting in it, directing. Like I just did everything and anything. I just soaked it up and I came to it late. So I wasn't expecting to make a career of this. And then I just fell down the rabbit hole and I was in love. And then it was it was all over, and uh, I realized in my fourth year that I wanted to do this instead, and I wanted to be an actor first and foremost. But I also still wasn't that good, and my my <laughs> acting teacher uh, in third year was actually very smart to set this seed in my brain. She sat me down one day and she said, "I don't think you can be an actor. I think you sh- I think you work well with people." And I think you have the right amount of heart to be someone who might be interested in like child psychology or something like that. And I was like, what? And in my head, I was like, fuck you. i be an actor. I'm in acting class. I want to be a fucking actor. What's this like psychologist bullshit? I want to like do the thing. So it made me angry. And in my life, anytime someone has told me I can't do something, it makes me angry. And I go and I fucking do it. And I just find a way to do it. So I don't know if she was like reading my vibe on that or or what, but she gave me the motivation to go to theater school afterwards. She said, the only way you're gonna make it as an actor is if you get better training as an actor in a classical theater uh, conservatory training program. And at first I was like, I'm done with school. Are you kidding me? More school, forget it, I'm done. And then by the end of fourth year or by the beginning of fourth year, I was like, okay, I gotta do this. So I signed up for auditions for theater schools, didn't get into the National Theater School, but I did get into George Brown Theater School, which is kind of where I wanted to go anyways because it was back home in Toronto and had a very good reputation and had that three-year, six-days-a-week, 14-hour-day British classical theater conservatory training that I was looking for. And I went to George Brown and fell down that rabbit hole and that was it. Then I was like launched into theater and ready to go. And uh, it's a weird path into it for sure. And I feel like a late bloomer you know, becoming an actor, Yeah, you know, so many people were like in Sears drama festival or, you know, whatever in high school, they like were four years ahead of me. So even in, in university, I just felt like the kind of dumb new guy. I'm just like, oh, I don't know who, you know, Brecht is and all these people like, who's Chekhov? Like the guy from Star, Star Trek, like what's going <laughs> on? But, but uh, then
0: once you went to George Brown, you must've come with an immense amount of life experience already that did probably really help ground you in drama
1: school. Definitely, and I think the, the interesting thing with theater school is we had a class of, we started with 32 and we ended up with 14 graduating because they cut people along the way. It's It was a very Whoa. intense program. But half of our class were university graduates and the other half were straight out of high school or had taken a year off and were coming into it. Um, so we had a, a real mix in our class in terms of life experience and you know, I, I think it was a benefit for me, having gone through military school and university to taste, you know, that disciplined lifestyle and then also have that total freedom where things can potentially fall apart when you're left to your own devices. All the learning experiences from those two very different environments really helped me with theater school. And theater school, oddly enough, reminded me more of military school than studying drama at university.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to hear this. You say that because I back in the day before I became a lawyer actually went to drama school in England. Mm-hmm. And I had I went straight out of university and I was not ready for the intensity of it, I guess I'll say. And mm-hmm. so then when I got to law school actually that was that was for me like the second stage of like in a similar way to your experience where you felt a little bit more grounded, a little bit more you know, I had a bit more wherewithal, nothing could kind of knock you in the same way. I felt like that in law school. So it's kind of of interesting that I feel like a huge part of my character actually comes from drama school and having gone through that experience in a really positive way.
1: Absolutely. It is a unique experience and and I had a lot of classmates who made it through through the three years of theater school. And the second they graduated, they were like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. Cause it's tough. It's tough on the soul, it's tough on the psyche. And so was the business and, and George Brown was really good at preparing us for that. I mean, they really laid it on thick that uh, you're not gonna make any money as a, as a theater artist and it's gonna be tough. And uh, they really helped thicken the skin for the industry.
0: That's interesting because I was, I'm always curious what actors you know, what 18 year old Christian thought the industry was going to be like and what your expectations of a career as an actor would be compared to how it's, how your journeys turned out?
1: Well, I would say I've always done things a little bit more non-conventionally, I guess. A part of that is shipping myself off to military school at 13. And um, I guess I was just always ready to put my nose down and do it. Is the simple answer. I didn't really have any expectations. I've always been the type of person to keep my expectations low, so that I'm not disappointed when something doesn't work out. So I know that's a little bit of a nihilist approach to life, and uh, uh, it's something that you know I work on being a little bit more optimistic. And generally, I am optimistic, but when it comes to like this business, I know how fickle it is. I've kind of sensed that from the beginning. It's always going to be tough, no matter what job you do in this business, you're always going to be stressed out about paychecks, about um, job security, you never know when the next job is going to be. And that's whether you're an actor, a writer, a producer, director, doesn't matter. Everybody, crew in this business, they all know that this job is going to end and that you need to find another one. You're constantly on the hunt for jobs. And I saw that very early in, in my formative years in this career. And I just knew that that that's how it was going to be, and that's going to be very tough. And that you just got to put your nose down, have faith, work hard, and and I don't mean faith religiously. I just mean faith in your abilities. And you know, people talk about luck being a large part of it, and that is kind of a part of it. But it's I think it's more faith—faith that things are just going to work out, that you're you're going to find a job, that something's going to come around the corner. You know, you just got to keep working hard and be a good person and and perform like show up, ready, and do the job. So. I've always had that nose to the grindstone mentality, I guess.
0: That's funny, that's actually gonna be my next question. What, what the most important thing is, whether it's talent, training, or circumstance as an actor?
1: Training mm. is my answer. Any other artist, whether they are a fine artist, whether they are a musician, uh, and any athlete, they train, they practice, they try to better themselves, they try to improve. And especially like if you're if you're a musician, let's say I'm also a trumpet player. That's what I played down at military school. You got to practice, you gotta train, you gotta improve your skills, you gotta work on being faster, having a stronger armature. You are training. That is the gym for a trumpet player. You know, an athlete, you may get to, you know, play in the NHL, but you know, to get there, you have to train on the ice with drills, you have to be in the gym, working out constantly, and that never changes. You don't get to the NHL and then you're like, great, now I can relax and just play in the NHL. Like you're gonna fall behind. And I think that's exactly the same for anyone in in any art form, but certainly for actors. Uh, And it's difficult for actors because what we do, our whole body is our instrument and our mind and our experiences, that's our artistry. And our, you know, we bring all that to, their, to our characters, and we need to learn how to use that properly, healthily, and regularly, and be able to turn it on and off, whether it's emotions or, you know, leave the work in the rehearsal hall or on set and go home and be a normal, hopefully, human being. Um, that takes training, and we don't get to do our job all the time. Like before the job that I'm currently working on, I was off for like four, five, six months, and I was pulling my hair out and starting to get those thoughts of like, oh, I'm never gonna work again. And, you know, imposter syndrome and everything. But unfortunately it was during the pandemic. So there was no real classes, uh, in-person classes which I prefer to Zoom acting classes. I'm not a big fan of that. But um, the training keeps your muscles in shape, keeps you ready to perform when you need to. Like an actor should be in a regular class. I mean, pandemic aside, When the world is kind of more back to normal actors should be in a regular class to better themselves and their abilities, but also just keep their mind sharp their muscles engaged the workings of of what it is to be an actor. uh, uh, lubricated and the wheels rolling so that when you do get a gig you're up and running you're you're ready to go.
0: And I was so inspired by your COVID routine, because I heard that you were doing weekly readings um, with friends over Zoom. And I thought that that was such a fantastic way to not only like keep in touch with people, mm-hmm. but to, like you say, keep your muscles lubricated and
1: yeah. be at the ready. Who are you talking to? How do you know this?
0: <laughs> I did my research. Yeah,
1: right. Good job. You're, not, <laughs> you're a spy. I knew it. Um, no, it, it's true. I mean, during the pandemic, a group of Friends of mine and and myself, we we would just sit down and someone would choose a play and we would read it and we'd hand out parts and we'd read it over Zoom. Now, Zoom, I know we're on it right now, sucks. When it comes to, you know, trying to act through the the, the lens and and trying to read a play. When you have the characters talking over each other, the sound cuts out, and if there's a chorus going on, like all that doesn't work. So it was at times, mind-numbing. And it felt like it took, you know, an extra half an hour per play to get it out there because of just the technical issues and whatnot. But it was so important to a lot of us to just keep reading plays, keep reading lines, keep trying to even feel emotion and express it through Zoom. Like it was important for a lot of us to do something instead of sitting around on our, our butts the whole time. I mean, that's when you really start pulling your hair out. And I will say the most important factor, the most important thing, or what makes you as an actor is what you do in the in-between times. Uh, If you sit around doing nothing, then you're going to get nothing out of it. You really need to focus on training. You need to keep yourself sharp. You need to keep your mind going. You need to work on your mental health. You need to work on your physical health. You need to Find other art forms to work on. And you have to live a full life. You can't just sit around being an actor. Actors are supposed to represent life accurately, naturalistically. We're supposed to, you know, explore all aspects of of humanity and and put that on screen or on stage. So if you're not out there seeing the world and living a life and traveling and meeting people of different cultures and, and experiencing hardship and, you know, really experiencing life to its fullest, then you're not gonna be that much of an actor. That's why I always liked, even like the, the, the people who came to theater school who had finished high school, but had taken a year to travel, uh, or even like work a full-time job just to get that life experience that's so important because all of that is infused into our plays, into our stories, into our scripts, and we have to represent that accurately. So getting as much life experience, living a really full, interesting life is, is important.
0: I think it's really good advice and, and not just for actors too, but for all types of creatives and anyone who works that kind of stop, start job situation. And that tends to be people in the creative industry, but it's such good advice. It's I actually, I wish that someone had told me that a long time ago. (laughs) Can you talk about what your first big break was, whether that was, you know, your first job in the industry or getting your an agent or, you know, how did you make the bridge between graduating drama school and actually working?
1: There's a few little milestones that I hit that I look at fondly. One of the reasons why you go to a theater school, a, a reputable one, is that you get to work with current theater artists and people who are in the business as opposed to people who didn't make it or and just are just like bitter professors or something <laughs> like that. Um, so we had directors coming in to work with us who were professional directors out in the theater world in Toronto and around Canada. And so one of those directors who had directed us in first year in our Shakespeare workshop was Joe Ziegler, who uh, is a fantastic director and he directs a lot of Shakespeare, uh, works a lot. He was one of the founding members of Soul Pepper Theater Company. He got a few of us that he noticed in theater school. He got a bunch of us to audition for the Young Company at Soul Pepper. And that was like my first job out of theater school, was very lucky, you know, just doing like little bit parts, filling in here and there on some plays with Soul Pepper for a couple summers and also taking all of their like checkoff workshops. And, and I mean, you're really at the bottom of the barrel and uh, you felt like it sometimes, I'll be honest. And uh, it, it wasn't easy, but it was also really wonderful to be be surrounded by some amazing theater artists and to get your introduction to the theater industry. Also like a lot of do's and do nots that you witness, um, uh, that company has had some, some tough times and some scandals in the last couple of years. So I was there to witness some of that and it gives you a real formative view on how the industry works and how it shouldn't work and how it can work better. Uh, but that was like such an incredible formative experience. I really enjoyed my time there and having Soul Pepper on my theater uh, resume, I think really helped open the door for uh, other, you know, at least auditions and, and other theater artists who were interested in, in what I was bringing to the stage. But for the most part, I would also work on creating plays with my friends and self-producing. Like I was always big, on on producing, you know, very independent, very, very small stuff, because that's where the real heart is. I still like to do that. I still like working in indie film and, and really low budget stuff, much to the chagrin of my agents and manager. Uh, But I, you know, I really like working with up and coming artists. And there's so much heart in that stuff, but you also got to pay your bills. So I, I mixed it up with like sort of bigger stage, Productions and also very small, like performing in a garage for 50 people, you know, sort of very, 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 very independent productions with no budget. Um, And I loved it, but I also didn't feel like it was sustainable. I'm also a citizen of Finland, part of the uh, EU, and I wanted to live in Europe. So I decided before things got too further on in my career, I wanted to live in Europe for a little bit, for an unspecified amount of time. So I packed up everything, threw it in storage, uh, booked a flight to Berlin and I moved to Berlin uh, with nowhere to stay, didn't speak the language, didn't know any friends there. And I just kind of showed up and was like, okay, make it work, let's go. Like I kind of tested myself and I had a great time over there as well. I mean, going to another country that that they spoke a lot of English in, in Berlin, but the area that I lived did not. It was mostly Turkish and Berlin, uh, German. And so my English wasn't gonna get me very far. So I had to sort of, you know, make things work and figure it out. And uh, that kind of helped thicken my skin a little bit more. Um, and I started working in improv comedy there uh, with some expats, started doing some voiceover work and started doing some dramaturgy work and performance work at the English theater. And I just kind of fell into art more art there. And it was such a joy to be working over in Europe. I did a play in London at one point, came back to Berlin. So that whole trip to Berlin and London and working in the industry over there was very formative as well. Hard, hard. It was a lot of hardship moving away from comfort zones, family, friends, things like that. But again, very formative for me. Uh, Went back to Canada. Toured a play across Canada, a one man show that uh, me and a friend wrote from a. Uh, we adapted a novel. He directed it and stage managed it, and we did it in like all the fringe festivals across the country. Wow. That was like a, a huge uh, moment for me as well. Be- being completely self reliant on stage for 60 minutes is terrifying and probably not a few years off my life, but we did really well. We had a great time. We won a bunch of awards. We made a little bit of money, which we weren't expecting. Did some more theater. And then decided, okay, I got to switch to film and TV. I'm never going to make a living doing this. And it's so hard on the body. That's six days a week, finish work at 10, 10.30, 11 p.m. You're wired. You can't get to bed till like two or three in the morning. Like it's it's such a strange lifestyle. You got to, if you want to make a living doing theater, you got to be rehearsing a show during the day and performing one at night and then back to rehearsals, you know, so that you're ready to open another show as soon as one closes. Like it's that it's that hard to make a living from it sometimes, and um, I didn't want to do that. I also didn't feel like theater cared about me, not that it needed to, it's not a person, it's not a thing, but I felt like I didn't matter, and that's okay, but I didn't feel like I was really part of the theater community in Toronto that I desperately wanted to be. I just felt like it was tough to get auditions, it was tough to get, to even get gigs, and, and I did pretty well, but You know, for the most part, it wasn't feeding my soul. So I decided to make a switch to TV and film. And and for that, I needed to study. And it had been, at that point, uh, five years since I'd been in school. And I started asking around for who the top teachers were in Toronto for film and television. And David Rodenberg's name kept coming up. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start studying with David Rodenberg. And I'm going to focus on TV and film nobody would see me for TV and film auditions. I was studying with David uh, in two of his classes at the same time, getting as much as I could out of it. The only people who would see me for auditions were um, commercials. And so I just started going to those soul-sucking commercial auditions, you know, all the time, every week, and uh, putting in a lot of time. And finally, they started paying off. I started booking TV commercials, and my face was ending up on TV. And I think that helped Casting directors recognized my headshot when I came across their desk. Either like, oh, that guy from that ad, that's great. Okay, let's bring him in. Or where do I know that guy from? That's the better one. Where do I know this guy from? I know him from somewhere. Okay, let's bring him in. Because then they're not thinking of you as like, oh, you're the guy who ate you know a whole bunch of muffins from Tim Horton <laughs> you know, every day. Totally grateful for the experiences that I had doing commercials. I did a lot of them. They helped pay for my training. Gave me the ability to not have to worry about having a joe job and there, i mean some of the best money i've made in my career is like way back in the day doing commercials because they can be that lucrative except the problem is it takes so much to finally book one i mean you have to do so many auditions it's like a cattle call you got to figure out how it works how to do 30 second stories or 30 second copy how to put a button on the end that makes them go oh who's that let's hire them That was a really interesting learning experience, teaches you technical acting on on camera. So hit your mark on this line, hold the product up on this line, rotate it. And then on this line, you're going to hit this mark, but then you're going to hold up the bag of this and you're going to say the line, but make sure you punch the product on this. Like they just overload you with direction and technical movements. It's the best technical training you can get for on camera. So I always encourage new actors to go out for commercials and to try and book as many as possible. It really gave me uh, so much on-set training that you don't get in a class, all that technical stuff, and it helped pay for my training to work on my acting. And so eventually when I got TV and film auditions, um, I was able to deliver, hopefully, and get hired. That's like, I just took you like on a long answer for all these little milestones. No. Like they, they're they all very distinct for me. Like They were all steps that I took to get to where I am now.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because I think that it it does have a feeling even me listening to it that, but for one of those experiences, you might not have been able to get to the next milestone. Like they were all stepping stones that were really important in your journey. I have to zone into auditioning because I think that auditioning is one of the biggest hurdles. And, you know, I have friends that are so talented and just completely fall apart in auditions because it's, it's different than acting. I mean, different than performing because, it, it feels, and it can feel, really high stakes. So I'm curious how you manage auditioning, if, if it's something that you've always been good at, if it's something that you have you had to really train yourself mentally for, or, or how you approach it.
1: I hate audition. <laughs> I am terrible at auditions. I am so fucking nervous in auditions to the point where I think it can scuttle me um, and yet I have a career, so that so thank God for that. Tells me a couple things. Tells me I got to work on my anxiousness more, um, uh, which is something that I do if it's a big audition and I'm super nervous. I, you know, you got to meditate, you got to breathe, you got to stretch, you got to do whatever it does. You know, like go for a run, get into and out of your body, and like get breathing, get moving, whatever it is to shake off the nerves. You got to do that, or what seems to be very useful for me is I find a way to channel the nerves into whatever the scene requires. If it's a tense scene, and so many audition scenes are tense with emotion or situation because that's like a heightened moment that they want to see in the audition, a specific thing that they're going to be filming that they need to see that you can deliver on. So usually you have a very tense uh, scene in your auditions. So I just channel my nerves into that. I use my nerves to you know, either uh, uh, ignite the state of being that I require or just to put it into my body so that it's there physically as well as, you know, internally. Um, But I hate them. I really hate them. I never feel prepared enough. Um, Obviously it's more than just memorizing lines. You got to do work, but you don't, you can't do too much work because you want to be able to be adjusted by the director if they're going to adjust you or the casting director. And you also have to dance. You got to listen. You. The, the, the thing I always remind myself of about auditions is it will never go the way you plan. You can plan an audition as much as you want. It's not going to come out that way because you're preparing it on your own or you're preparing it with a friend and your friend is reading the lines to you. They can read it as flat as they like. Nobody knows what the reader is going to do when you're in the room. So... You can only prepare so much. You should be as off book as possible for a first audition, but keep the script in your hand. Always keep the script in your hand because it's there as a reference in case you drop a line. You don't have to freak out if you drop a line. You can just pause, find it, say it, continue. Don't get too you know in your head about it. And sometimes you do. Um, but holding the script in your hand also lowers the expectations of the people in the room. And that helps you out a lot for a first audition only, first audition only. Your job in a first audition is to get a call back. That's all you're trying to do. So you gotta like take little bits of pressure off yourself to help focus what your goal is to do. My my goal with a first audition is to get them interested in me, to wanna see me again. So if it's just the casting director seeing you, I want them to send my tape to the director and producers and for them to say, oh, let's bring them in the room. Let's maybe adjust things here and there but we wanna see this guy. We wanna to talk to him in person. First audition goal, get a call back, that's it. If you book the role from a first audition, even better um, and come prepared with all your choices made, you know what you want out of the scene, you know what you're doing and certainly you know what you're saying, but do not expect it to go the way you plan. As soon as a reader starts reading lines to you, it's a different person. And if you're really acting, then it's gonna come out differently because you're being thrown things from a different voice, a different timbre, a different pace. It's not gonna be the same pace you rehearsed. So you can't let that throw you. And, and for a while, auditions would throw me because I'd be like, that wasn't, that's not what I planned. I swear to God, I was prepared and it, it came out so different. It's going to come out different. It's gonna be different. That's the beauty of acting. You put, you could be one actor in a two person scene. It's gonna be a different scene with every different actor that you do it with. So expect it to be different when you get in the room. You're also gonna have more people than you expected or less people, or there'll be a sound that throws you. You can't you can't let that stuff throw you. And that's why I believe improv training is one of the best things in performing improv. is one of the best skills that an actor can go through. It'll teach you to roll with the punches, to think on your feet, uh, to solve problems that are popping up as you go. Um, you gotta really like sit down and meditate on what's gonna happen or what can happen in the room, and then you got to release it. But yeah, I hate auditioning. (laughs) (laughs) I I really am a bundle of nerves. Like I I get so nervous and I thought that would be something that goes away with experience. And certainly when I'm auditioning regularly, the nerves go away. Like when you have so many, if you're lucky enough to get into that pocket of time where you're like, oh my God, I've got all these auditions and I can barely keep up. That's the sweet spot because you're just putting lines in getting them out, making room for the next ones. And you're just kind of in a mode. That's kind of like what pilot season used to be like in LA. And there are pockets of that in Canada as well. But when you don't have an audition you know, for months or, or if you go months without an audition, I remember those days where you just, all you wanted was an audition. Just one audition a month or something to give you some hope and keep you going. Um, it's hard to get a groove. Comes with preparedness. improv your way through it, to Mm -hmm. find things in the moment. I've done auditions where I've booked gigs because I improv something in the moment that I didn't plan for. And that little thing got me the part. I know that specifically for Orphan Black. The (laughs) writer told me I did something in in an audition. It was a scene where I was getting uh, tortured by my wife with a hot glue gun. I was tied to a chair um and she's dripping hot glue from a glue gun on my chest while I'm tied up so in the audition I'm like tied up on my chair and you know I have to imagine that someone is holding hot wax over my chest or you know glue and I didn't plan it but in the audition and I ended up doing it in the show because the writers liked it so much the first drop that like lands on my chest and is burning my chest I, I start screaming and then I start trying to blow it out. Like it's like a flame, like I started, or like cool it, like you would cool hot tea. So I'm going like, ah, ah and I'm like blowing on it to try and cool it down. I didn't plan on that. I don't know where that came from, uh, but I booked the role off that one audition. And when I met the writers uh, for my first time going for a fitting and being on set, they were all laughing so hard about that moment in the audition. And I think that was like, something that they saw that they're like that's it that's the guy that's something about that so improv great training bring it into your audition come up with bits don't come up with bits but let them come out naturally yeah. and read the room learn to read the room
0: that's awesome so i'm the longest
1: dancers in the world i'm sorry. No
0: they're honestly so good and i hope that people who are either aspiring actors or you know emerging young talent are listening to this and really heeding your advice because I think it's so good and I like I just remember myself being you know a 20 year old struggling in the world and I I would have benefited so much by your perspective so I think that I hope that people are
1: really and I hope it's helpful that they hear that it's okay to be nervous yeah I am still nervous when I audition and the world of auditioning has changed as well like now there's self-tapes and we do everything on self-tape. And it's going to be like that for at least first auditions for a long time, if not forever. Your first audition will now be on self-tape. I love that because it really gives you a little bit more time, if you have a patient friend to help you out, to really craft the perfect audition and send it in. It should be still authentically you, but you just get extra takes. And uh, the danger is you're not as prepared and you are you don't have that fire and that energy in you that you get with the nerves of being in person. When you know you have to be in person, you are so much better prepared, I find I am, I should say, so much more prepared than I am for self-tape. Because self-tape, I'm like, okay, let's find it. Let's let's do this. Let's try and get the excitement up. But you don't have that those nerves to give you that sharpened edge that allows for some really interesting stuff to come out. Um, so it's a give and take. Auditions suck. They are... They don't make sense when you think about them. They're not acting. They're just solely focused on you as opposed to you and a scene partner dancing and doing the do. But that comes later in callbacks and and chemistry reads and things like that. That's when you got to bring that stuff out. But self-tapes, you know, have a laissez-faire. They can have a laissez-faireness to them that you don't want. You want to have that edge. So it's kind of grass is always greener on the other side, but... You got to find what works for you and make sure that more than anything else, this other big lesson that I, I learned over the years was reading a character breakdown just gives you a little bit of information. Don't let that dictate your performance and your characterization. You don't have to play character. Character is infused in the writing. It's already in the minds of the people casting it because they know that character that character is a nerd. So you don't have to be like, I'm a nerd. Oh, you know? like You don't have to change your voice. You don't have to change your person. Maybe put on a pair of glasses. That's the only thing you need to do. And all of a sudden people are like, oh yeah, he's a nerd, he's wearing glasses. Like find some small costume thing that will do half the job for you. Because you'll find that happens when you get on set anyways, when you book the damn role, that the costume will inform so much of the character, how it moves, how it uh, um, um, just is perceived. And you don't have to do much to characterize. The most important thing you have to do in an audition is bring yourself to that role. You can do you better than anyone else. You can't do. And when they, I hate it when they say like a Jake Gyllenhaal type in the in the description or whatever the actor is. Don't go into that audition and be like, I'm gonna do my best Jake Jill. I don't know if that's Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm gonna do <laughs> my best Jake Gyllenhaal. Like that will just scuttle your performance. You are what's so perfect and unique about you. Just be you. Nobody can do you like you, that's it. Your job is to bring you yourself and your personality and your experiences. So don't try and cover it up cover it up by playing a character or trying to emulate an actor or an archetype. Just be you, keep it simple, but just be you.
0: That's great advice. So if I can ask one kind of like last big question Can you tell me your Hollywood heartbreak moment? So the moment that you were, you felt like you were so close to something and you were really disappointed and then juxtapose that with your Hollywood hit moment, the moment that you thought, oh, wow, I'm really doing it. I'm really an actor. I'm I'm successful.
1: The year was 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This summer I auditioned for a pilot for a big network This was, I was in BC at the time, uh, but I'm still LA-based. I was just up there for work and to escape during the pandemic. And um, uh, so I auditioned for a big pilot for uh, a big network. And that was like on a Wednesday, the audition comes in. I sent the audition in Friday morning. Uh, It was due Friday, end of day. By Thursday, my agent was like, hey, can you get that to us ASAP? They're casting it this weekend. And... Uh, they're they're interested or like they like your vibe or something like that. I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. So I like taped it Friday morning and I sent it in. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Saturday morning, I was out on a walk uh, with my good friends, Matt Barrowman, Naomi Sneekes, who I've worked with many times before and are fantastic performers. We were walking around the seawall in Vancouver because they were in town. And I get an email from my agent being like, I need your US visa papers ASAP. I was like, oh, oh okay. So with like no reception, like around the seawall or very low, I had to like go onto Dropbox, like find my, you know, US visa exception papers, uh, uh, send them in, like email them. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I think maybe I've got a callback or something or they're interested in me, I don't know. And then over the next couple of days, they were like that day, And Sunday, we were like, boom, negotiating a six year contract on this pilot uh, for, you know, more money than I've ever seen in my career, like, like good money in US dollars. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, what, what, what? And it's just a pilot. And the key with a pilot is don't get your hopes up ever, 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 ever. Even if you book it, even if you fill the damn film, the damn thing, don't get your hopes up. Just just try and stay calm. But I was just like, what the hell's going on? This is a six-year contract. And they're like, you have a network test Monday morning at, on Zoom at 9 a.m., like straight up. You're the first one they're seeing for this role. They're seeing a few people. They're negotiating. And they were like, it was a weekend. And we were negotiating the whole weekend um, for this network test on Monday morning for an audition that I put in Friday morning. That weekend was Absolutely fucking nuts! It was an emotional roller coaster, and then I had this, this the biggest audition of my career Monday morning at nine a.m. for the biggest opportunity of my career, and uh, I mean, talk about pressure! You sign when you go in for a pilot network test, you sign your contract for X number of years for X number of dollars. You know what you're going to be making for the next six years if this thing is a hit. If this thing is a hit, um, so. It's insane pressure. It's fucking insane pressure. Um, and so the audition came, and it went really well. I was really happy with it. Um, the casting director was great. The showrunner was great. They were super happy. They're fans of Orphan Black, which was like, wow, okay, great, thank you. That's you know, I already have someone in my corner. This feels great. Uh, and then we sat around for the next two days, two and a half days, waiting to hear back for their their answer. Uh, And, you know, when the answer came back Wednesday evening, a week after I'd found out about the initial audition, it was that they were going somewhere else with someone else. And, you know, in my head, I'd done that stupid thing of like, oh my God, I'm going to be able to get like a nice apartment, or maybe I can move to this part of town. like, I'd done all the stupid things that you're not supposed to do. And it's just, I'm human and I couldn't help it. And I was excited and it was a great project and I really loved it. And I was like, wow, I can't believe it. This could happen. This could really happen. I felt good about it. I felt good in the room. Didn't get it. It was a real whirlwind of a week. I mean, I was emotionally exhausted. The next day I was getting my first COVID-19 vaccine shot next morning thursday morning and i couldn't give two shits i mean i was so a week before that i was so excited to get my vaccine shot it was going to be a big moment in my life i was gonna you know i could see myself crying as i get it and just the relief would pour over me i couldn't give two shits i was so low that morning that i was just like i couldn't enjoy that moment that i'd been waiting so long for and it really stuck with me for a while um not that long i gave myself i said you get two days to mope, two days. And that's longer than most that I will for losing something. Usually I'll be like, okay, you can get a night of moping or a day. But I gave myself, it was a big one. I was like, you got two days to feel sorry for yourself and to, you know, be pissed off. incredibly
0: disciplined of you.
1: Yeah, thanks. But you know what, I was, after two days, I was over it. I was like, okay, dust off, there will be something else. And it wasn't meant to be at the end of the day. If it was meant to be, it would have happened. Sometimes it's, it, it takes the pressure off to think in that weird, fateful way, uh, which is so esoteric. But And then uh, I moved back to LA. I was uh, auditioning for a bunch of stuff. Nothing was coming around. Uh, and I had auditioned a bunch since then. And I was starting to get a little disillusioned. And I was starting to feel like, you know, maybe uh, the rest of the year is going to be a bit of a write-off. And it's going to be time to, like, start tightening up the finances and, and really, you know, making sure, that I'm protected on that angle. I was looking for a new apartment in LA uh, while auditioning for stuff. I auditioned for a, pro, uh, for a role on a show a month before, and I loved the material. I loved the scripts. I loved the pacing. I had the exact same reaction reading the scenes from that as I did for Ready or Not, where I was like, I know exactly what they're going for. I know the exact tone of this show and I really fucking dig it. Oh my God, I wanna work on this. And I felt the same way with that show as I did with Ready or Not. And when I did the audition for Ready or Not, I was like, that felt awesome. I feel really good about that. I just had a good feeling about it. So I auditioned for a role on this show and didn't hear anything for weeks. And I was like, damn it. I really like, it, it was one of those shows that the scripts are so good that it stuck with me. And uh, And it was a spy show. I really love spy stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this would be so cool. Um, and then a month later they were looking for a different role on the show and uh, my, my agent sent me out for it. And I loved that role as well. I was like, oh, this is like an even more fun, quirky character for, for me to play. I would love this. So I did the audition and my friend who I was auditioning with um, was like, "That you're gonna get this. This is good, you're gonna get this. This feels like weirdly like in the pocket, it's good. And I was like, I think it feels good. I think it feels like it feels really good. And so we sent it off and i hounded and i don't do this i usually send it and forget it but i hounded my agents and my managers i'm like follow up follow up have they said anything what do they think did they like the tape follow up follow up and they were like yeah they're interested they really really like it and even when i sent the tape my my agent was like this is really good oh this is like really good like everything along the way felt right about it and and we waited, and they negotiated, and they were coming up with the casting, and they were figuring all that stuff out. It took a long time. And then finally, I booked it. And it's the series that I'm working on right now. It's a new Netflix series uh, about lawyers at the CIA. It's it's so good. It's so interesting. It's so funny. It's dark. It's everything that I love about uh, spycraft from a different perspective. Like We've never really heard of lawyers at the CIA trying to deal with the the dumb things that spies do or that they're about to do that you're trying to explain is not legal and they cannot do it. It's, it's a fascinating show. It's great and I love espionage and it's based in far more reality than you would expect. Um, it's very cool. And so, you know, these two shows, the ups and the downs, I mean, that all happened within the space of a few months, uh, two, three months basically of this year.
0: Wow, I'm so glad that you picked two that were so close together because I think it really is such a good portrait of the life of an actor.
1: It's heartbreaking, it's exciting, it's so scary at times, like when you're worrying about paying bills and even like, I'm a workaholic and I chose the worst industry, the worst job in the world to be a workaholic over. I'm at my best when I'm working five days a week 15, 16 hour days on set constantly. That's when I'm at my best. I'm relaxed, I'm open, I'm doing it. I'm like, you know, I'm just like a vessel of lines and then, you know, pour out the lines and put new ones in. Like, that's when I'm happiest and that's when I'm busiest. An actor is not the best thing to be a a workaholic because you have a lot of time to yourself. And that's why I say, it's what you do in the in-between times that really, really makes the job for you because that's gonna be the majority of your time. Even when you book a job, this job is for three or four months. Then I'm potentially off for eight months. If it comes back for another season, great. I hope it does. Um, but, you know, I got to find work for in between that. I don't want to sit around doing nothing. Are you kidding me? It's just an emotional roller coaster. this job.
0: It is not the clock in at nine o'clock, clock out at five o'clock Absolutely kind of situation.
1: Not. And you know what? Yeah. I, I've done desk jobs before and I know it's just not for me. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I I hated it. Absolutely hated it. So I'm glad I had that experience to know that it was not for me.
0: Have you shot this Untitled uh, Spy series yet? Or when can we expect it to come out?
1: We are shooting it right now. I'm in Montreal until mid-February. Oh,
0: it's shooting in Montreal.
1: Oh, yes, it is.
0: Oh, that makes it even better. Oh, wonderful.
1: I mean, getting to go to Montreal to work on a show is like so heavenly. But yeah, so I don't know when it would come out. Maybe maybe uh, summer or, or in the fall, yeah. I'm not sure. but we'll see. I can't wait for people to see it. We're.
0: I'm excited.
1: The scripts are so nutty and so great. I, I can't wait to see how it all turns out.
0: Well, and you're, you're such a personable, smart, articulate actor. Oh, and so I hope that, you know, people have fallen in love with you a- over the course of this interview and of course in your work. And so I'm sure that they have and that they're gonna to wanna to keep up with you. So where can uh, where can they do that?
1: Uh, first of all, I'm blushing and I don't think <laughs> the audience can tell that on the podcast, but I am blushing, thank you. Uh, I, I'm on social media, I'm on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram and I think TikTok, my niece made me get TikTok. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've recorded a couple dumb videos on that. Uh, it's at Mr. Christian Brun. So Mr. K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N B-R-U-U-N. Um, that's kind of the best place to find me making dumb uh, jokes on Twitter and posting, you know, dumb photos of myself and my adventures.
0: <laughs> Any? Are there any other projects you need to plug that yeah, are coming out I, in the near future?
1: I did a really, really cool uh, indie Canadian um, film in Nunavut. It was a sci-fi alien film set, in, set in Nunavut uh, called Slashback. I don't know when that's coming out, but that's in post-production. They should be, I think they're actually having, uh, I think it's right now out to a bunch of festivals, a really, really cool film with uh, an Inuit filmmaker. And uh, it's just, it's such a, it's a cool story. It's a sci-fi alien film from an Inuit perspective with four young uh, Inuit leads. It's, it's really cool. It's really exciting. It's such a cool take. It's basically four Inuit teenage girls uh, have to defend their hometown from an alien who crash lands in the Arctic and they have to defend their, and like defeat this alien using the horror film knowledge that they have. (laughs) Cool concept. Yeah. um, Yeah. I can, I cannot wait to see that. Yeah, there's some really great stuff coming out of Canada. I love working in Canada. 95% of my work is in Canada, whether it's on American productions or Canadian productions, uh, whether they're big budget Netflix things or they're, you know, tiny little indie indie projects. Like Canada's got a lot of good stuff going on. I just wish we had the star system to support it. I wish we could get behind our industry as, as a society a little bit more, like they do in Quebec. I mean, Quebec is such a good example of like, a small population really rallying behind their artists. I think we need to do that as a, a full nation.
0: I completely agree. I think it's it's one of the only flaws in our system <laughs> because the talent is here, you know, the the good work is here, and mm. we just need to get excited about what we're doing in Canada. I it, there are some hidden gems here, and I just completely agree. We have to get excited about our own content because, I mean, it's it's also good for the economy to have. The production a lot do of have. jobs. Like yeah, people don't exactly.
1: realize how many jobs are created from this industry. Yeah. It is massive. And even more so during the pandemic, because a lot of oh. stuff can't get produced in the states because the pandemic has raged out of control. And that's why, you know, keeping an eye on the numbers of you know COVID uh, infections is, is important and keeping COVID off of sets so that they don't shut yeah. down is important. We test so much on set. I mean, when you're working it's three times a, a week and You know, and when you're not working that week, it's still once a week to just to maintain that you're, you know, you're doing all right. So it's expensive and there's a lot of protocols, but it's creating so many jobs in Canada right now. And even when there isn't a pandemic, it's a really important part of our economic fabric in Canada.
0: And, and I think it's it's funny, too, because people say to me, like, entertainment, why does entertainment matter? And it's and it's for that reason, not only because we're telling stories that, honestly, I think matter a lot, yeah. but it, there is an economic component to it that I think often gets missed in the conversation and gets a little forgotten, but true, it's important. The work, the entertainment industry is important.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And the work that's being created in Canada is no longer just for Canada. I mean, that used to be the case yeah. 15 years ago, uh, even 10 years ago, like you know, when, when Orphan Black was just starting, you know, Canadian TV wasn't necessarily selling around the world, people weren't buying it. And then we just hit we just hit our stride where we st- were producing, it's a bit technology being affordable and like being able to, we're not shooting on film, we're shooting on really good digital cameras and they're getting better and better and better. And as long as you have good lenses and people who know what to do with them, and you've got good actors and writers and editors, you know, you can create something very special for less money and that was Canada's, that was what held Canada back for so long was just a lack of budgets. But now that technology has caught up to our budget level, we can create really good stuff for less and we do. And then all of a sudden the world wants to buy it and is interested in it. So we're at this time in our industry where, you know, Canada is is really quite important on the world stage in terms of, of being a place where we can foster new artists, um, but also where we can actually grow production. And you see new studios being built all the time by Netflix, Amazon, like people are are, are building studios all over the place, CBS, um, because they want to do more here. They get more bang for their buck up here. And there are pros and cons to that, definitely. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of jobs that come out of it and a lot of money in the economy because of it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I found this was honestly one of my favorite interviews that I've done. You're so um, generous with your information because not everyone wants to give the secrets away to the kingdom and so-
1: No, give them, give them away. Yeah, I completely agree. people told me all this stuff when I was starting out in theater school. So I hope that if there are any young actors who are listening to this, that this helps and that- I hope so too. uh, If you have questions about the business, send them to me on you know twitter or something like that i'm happy to answer them.
0: thank you so much for listening don't forget to rate and review our show on apple podcasts and until then we will see you next wednesday